This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer, and welcome to Keep the Faith, my bi-weekly podcast in which we explore contemporary issues through the prism of Jewish law and tradition. Tisha B'Av is decidedly the saddest day of the Jewish year. It'll begin in just a little over a week from now, right after the end of Shabbat next Saturday night. Tisha B'Av is probably also one of the most ignored days of the Jewish year by all too many of us, which only adds to the day's sadness. Today marks the start of the lead-up period to Tisha B'Av, the period we call the Nine Days. Tisha B'Av is not a day we should ignore because even this darkest of clouds hanging over us each year has its silver lining. And it's that silver lining that's the real reason we need to observe Tisha B'Av. And so the topic for this week is Tisha B'Av and why it's a day we must never ignore. There's no other day like Tisha B'Av on our calendar, and thank God for that. Throughout history, it's been marked by one example after another of the kind of Jew hatred that all too often has brought death and destruction to our doorsteps. Three tragic events led our sages of blessed memory to turn Tisha B'Av into the grueling summertime fast that it is, and to impose on us an additional three weeks of increasingly mournful restrictions leading up to it. Our sages tried to understand why those three tragedies occurred on this particular day. They searched the Torah for an answer and came up with something that occurred a year after the exodus from Egypt. The Israelites were told that they would inherit the land of Canaan, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Conquering it wouldn't be easy, they were also told, but in the end it would be their new home because God decreed it. As the Torah tells us, though, the people of the Exodus generation were a rebellious lot and not a very believing one. They wanted proof of God's words, so they demanded that Moses send scouts into Canaan who would report back to them. Moses sent twelve men on that mission, which lasted forty days. When the scouts returned, they carried with them proof that the land was indeed flowing with milk and honey. It was a huge cluster of grapes and some other produce, and the people cheered. But then things took a bad turn. Ten of the twelve scouts also said conquering Canaan was nothing less than a suicide mission. That sent the people scurrying to their tents and weeping all that night. Because they showed no faith in God's promise to them, the Torah reports. That generation was sentenced to live out its days in the wilderness over the next 39 years. The next generation would inherit the land. That day, based on the Torah's chronology of the Exodus journey, was Tisha B'Av. To our sages, that event explained why those three tragedies occurred on Tisha B'Av from then until their day. God, they imagined, must have made this vow that day. Because you, O Israel, cried on that Kishabab night for no good reason, you will have good reason to cry many times over on Kishabab. 
It's a fanciful rabbinic way of trying to explain what really is unexplainable. Here are the three events that led to this conclusion. The first occurred on Tishabov in the year 586 BCE, before the Common Era, when Babylonian forces set fire to the first temple. As I noted in my last podcast, both the date and the perpetrators are subject to debate, but tradition settled on both. It was most certainly on Tishabov in the year 70 of the Common Era that Roman forces set fire to the second temple. That date is attested to by a host of religious and historical sources, so there's no reason to challenge it. Sixty-five years later, in the year 135 CE, we have the third event that tradition says happened on Tishabav, the calamitous end to the Second Jewish Revolt against Rome, also known as the Bar Kokhba Revolt, named after the man who led it. According to the Roman senator and historian Cassius Dio, 580,000 Judean fighters lost their lives during the revolt's three years, and an incalculable number of others, he said, quote, perished by famine, disease, and fire, unquote. Because Cassius Dio's account is considered by many to be credible in all its aspects, some scholars, Jewish and non-Jewish, have labeled the Roman campaign an act of genocide. The killings continued after the war, including a series of executions that wiped out nearly an entire generation of religious leaders and scholars, including the famed Rabbi Akiva. One year later, on Tishabav in 136 CE, the Roman commander at the time, Turnus Rufus, ordered the site of the temple to be plowed under, along with the areas surrounding it. Those are the three events that led to the fast of Tishabav, but Tishabav has attracted tragedies like a magnet over the last two millennia since then. What follows are the most significant of these events. We begin with the Crusades, which followed from a speech delivered on Tishabav in July 1095 by Pope Urban II. In that speech, which he delivered in his native France, Urban II called for a military expedition to seize control of the Holy Land. That call led to the First Crusade early the next year. In its first month alone, while the Crusaders were still in Europe, they slaughtered 10,000 Jews living in northern France and along the Rhine. That First Crusade also served as the springboard for all the Crusades to come, all of which brought death and destruction to our people, totally obliterating many communities in the Rhineland and France in the process. It took three years for those first crusaders to make it to their prime objective, meaning Jerusalem. On July 16, 1099, just two weeks before Tishabab that year, they rounded up between 900 and 3,000 of Jerusalem's Jews, locked them in the city's main synagogue, then set the building on fire. They then partied outside as the building burned down to the ground with the Jews in it. It all began with the Pope's speech on Tishabav four years earlier. July 18, 1290 was also a Tishabav. 
On that day, King Edward I ordered the expulsion of the Jews from England. His order was followed by a series of pogroms and the confiscation of Jewish property throughout England. For the next 300 years, Jews could only legally visit England with special permit. August 2nd, 1492 was the Tisha On that day, what was arguably the greatest diaspora community the world had ever known until then came to an end as the last of the Jews whom Ferdinand and Isabella had ordered expelled from Spain left the country. That edict was officially revoked only in 1968. August 2, 1492, by the way, was also the day Christopher Columbus was supposed to set sail on his historic mission of discovery but he delayed doing so until the next day, August 3rd. As for why Ferdinand and Isabella's favorite navigator did that, that's for a whole different discussion, and God willing, I'll discuss it as we get near to Columbus Day. The next Tisha B'Av of note was Saturday, August 1st, 1914. On that day, Germany declared war on Russia, thus starting World War I. Its end set into motion several events of immensely tragic significance for us, and especially the crafting of a peace that was so debilitating to Germany that it paved the way for the coming to power of Adolf Hitler. That in turn, of course, led to the Shoah, the Holocaust, and the murder of six million Jews and five million others. It also hastened the inevitable collapse of Russia's outdated monarchy and the advent of the Soviet Union, which would wage a 75-year campaign to destroy everything Jewish within its borders. Yet another outgrowth of that war was that it allowed Britain and France to play their duplicitous games in the Middle East, games that sowed the seeds for more than a century's worth of bloody conflict between Arabs and Jews. All that grew out of Germany's declaration of war on Tisha B'Av, 1914. On August 2, 1941, Tisha B'Av, Germany's security chief, SS General Reinhard Heydrich, began drawing up plans for what he called the, quote, final solution of the Jewish question, unquote. On July 23, 1942, another Tisha the Germans began operating the Treblinka death camp, which was located in a heavily wooded area northeast of Warsaw. The camp would operate for the next 14 months until September 1943, and it would prove to be one of Germany's most efficient killing camps. An estimated 925,000 Jews were killed there in those 14 months, along with an unknown number of Poles and Romani and even Soviet prisoners of war. That's more than a million people killed in just over a year. By contrast, it took five years to kill 1.1 million people in the Auschwitz-Birkenau death camp. On that same Tisha B'Av day, July 23, 1942, the Germans began transporting the Jews from the nearby Warsaw Ghetto to Trembling. Argentina has the largest Jewish population in Latin America. Tisha B'Av in 1994 fell out on July 18th. 
On that day, the Jewish Community Center in Buenos Aires, known as the Argentine-Israelite Mutual Association, was leveled by a truck bomb. 85 people were killed and some 300 others were injured. It was the deadliest terrorist attack in Latin American history. It also was the deadliest attack against any Jewish target outside of Israel until then. No one has ever been convicted of that crime, despite numerous investigations that reeked of being cover-ups. As I said, these are the most notable tragedies that occurred on Tisha B'Av throughout history. For most of us in the Jewish world, this is a day we ignore, toss aside, treat with irreverence. To many of us, it's a day that goes by each year without our even realizing it, which itself is a Tisha B'Av tragedy. Now, some people, even some religious leaders, say we don't need Tisha B'Av anymore. It's not relevant anymore. It belongs to the past. Hanukkah belongs to the past, but we celebrate it. Purim belongs to the past, but we celebrate it. Pesach, Passover, belongs to the distant past, but we celebrate it. Again, there are some who would say Hanukkah, Purim, Pesach, these are all fun days, but Tisha B'Av is the ultimate downer. Why ruin our summers by remembering so many tragedies of the past? Tisha B'Av, though, is not about the tragedies that occurred on it. What Tisha B'Av is truly about is triumph. No generation of Jews should know this better than our generation should. We are here today, a few mere decades after the destruction of European Jewry, revived and alive. Instead of being dead and buried, we're living openly and, for most of us, freely in an age that's been the most scholarly and most culturally productive in Jewish history. Unlike any other nation that disappeared in antiquity, there's a reborn Jewish state that not only thrives, but it's also ready and able to rescue entire communities of endangered Jews, such as those from Ethiopia and Syria and the former Soviet Union and now the Jews of Ukraine, thereby helping to prevent future Tisha B'Av tragedies. The doors of the world were shut in our faces before the Shoah. Today, there are few doors left that we cannot open. Of course, Tisha B'Av reminds us that we've experienced more tragedies as a people than any other in history. That alone should make it a day to be observed because, in truth, it's the only day on our calendar when we're supposed to immerse ourselves fully in grief over all those tragedies. It's the substitute for having to mourn every day of every year for some tragedy or other that befell us on that particular day. The point, though, is that we're still here to be reminded of those tragedies. Our tormentors of the past are all gone. Babylon is gone. The Roman Empire is gone. Nazi Germany is gone. The Soviet Union is gone. We're still here. For those of us who believe in God, no other day on the Jewish calendar better testifies to the link between God and Israel. No other day better proves that God's promise to Israel 
God's covenant with us is indeed everlasting and irreversible. For those who don't believe in God or are skeptical of God's existence, the day nevertheless stands as testimony to our survival beyond all odds. It's also a day that reminds us, or should remind us, that the haters are still out there, in the Middle East certainly, and in Europe, and even here in America. That's the real memory of Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is not a downer day, it's a day of uplift, despite the past tragedies and the past. This is Rabbi Shammai Engelmeyer. I do hope you come back for my next podcast, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about this or my other podcasts. Go to www.shamai.org, www.shamai.org, and email me, please. If you don't get the Jewish Standard but want to read my columns, go to the columns page of my website. The current column deals with the mortal danger to our world because of the sin of baseless hatred, the very sin our sages say brought about the second pivotal event of Tisha B'Av, the destruction of the Second Temple. Shabbat Shalom. Stay healthy. Keep taking all COVID-19 precautions, including wearing N95 masks in public, no matter who tells you otherwise. May we all have easy and meaningful fasts on Tisha B'Av. And above all, stay safe.